Are you guys? So to you guys on the sides that were sitting there when the air decided to kick on all of a sudden, sorry about that. It's just kind of wake you up here just before the message, you know, just kind of infuse you with ice cubes. Um, yeah, we, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but it's still good to be here. I mean, I just re- wanted to remind you of what it's like outside right now, just to remind you how great it is to be in here, right? Hey, uh, we have been in uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series on um, just kind of looking at the question, what is the church? And I hope you guys have been enjoying this. I've enjoyed uh, getting ready for it. Um, you know, as I was sitting out there, and one of the things I hope that we're starting to see is what we do here uh, matters. You guys being here and being a part of just the worship and the prayer and the, everything that goes on here, it's important what we do. And um, it, it may not seem that way. Sometimes people kind of see this as almost like a side thing, like a, just an add-on. But um, what happens here, I hope today that we can kind of see that what, what we do, uh, all the things that we invest in, those, those spiritual things that we invest in in our lives, uh, they have real consequences just for life and, and for um, everything that goes on. So we've been looking at the question, what is the church? Kind of what, um, what does it mean to be the church? What did God intend when he, when he first formed and, and shaped the church and launched it? And but when you think about it, to answer that question, it would really be probably good to go back to the beginning, right? To the, to the guy that actually kind of got this thing going, to Jesus, and look at what he was doing and what he was intending in that, and we'll get a good picture of that. See, um, so when Jesus started uh, his ministry, one of the first things that he did was he called, and many of you guys know this, you know, you've heard these stories about it. He called these 12 guys uh, to himself to follow after him and to kind of learn from him. Uh, to be his students, what he would, uh, what were called disciples, and um, but when you look at that story, you would look a little deeper into it. What you realize is he was not just asking; he was not just calling them um, uh, just to to kind of follow after him for a short time. This was a much longer term and a much bigger kind of uh, purpose that he had. And, and so he wasn't just calling them, and this is important for us to know. He wasn't just asking them to follow after him so that they could learn a few things, you know, and then go back to doing things how they had always done them, go back to what they had been doing before and do it the same way. Uh, Instead, he was, and he very specifically, he called them out from their families, he called them out from their businesses, out from all the frameworks that had kind of, where they had been figuring out what life was, kind of all these frameworks that that had defined who they were, even called them away from, he said, step away from who you even think yourself to be because I need to form you into being a new type of people. I need to form you into being a kingdom people so that you can be this this new people, this new family, this new community called the church. And so um, that same call actually is what has been passed down, has kind of echoed down through all these years and all these generations. And now comes to us. And that call is on us. And those who, who answer that call and who, who follow, say, yeah, following Jesus, um, I'm following Jesus, that call comes down to us to be that church, to be those men and women who we also are those who step away from kind of all that we have known to choose to follow him so that we can be shaped into those people uh, that he has called us to be. So we want to know uh, what that means. What does it mean, not just what is the church, but what does it mean for us to be the church? So we're going to start out in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 21. So stand with me, 
uh, as we look at this passage uh, in Romans, Romans chapter eight, verse 14 through 21. These are some verses that they, they focus on the, a really a, an important characteristic, one of the most important things about what does it mean for, for us to be the church. Romans 8, 14 through 21, it says, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. Okay, I want you to remember that piece. All who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as children by which we cry out Abba. Abba is a, an Aramaic word that was just kind of equivalent to our daddy. It was just, it's the first word that a baby would cry out. But it's the spirit of adoption by which we cry out Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings, the challenges, the things that we run into, the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of the creation, of all of the creation, waits eagerly for the revealing of the, of the children, even the heirs of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's a pretty big deal, right? Right. All of creation is waiting to see the children of God revealed. So yes, the church, the church is made up of those who have taken, have accepted Jesus' invitation and, and trust in him as their Lord. The church is also those who live out, I mean, we live out this, this ethic that's defined in the Bible. We live out, uh, we, we frame our lives around certain, this framework of beliefs. Uh, we engage in certain activities outside of this where we bring, you know, out of com we're driven by God's compassion and to make him known. But above that, above all, the church is that group of people who are being led by God's spirit. Being led by God's spirit in all these things. To do what? To do the business of the kingdom. That's one of the things that we've been seeing. The church, the, even the word itself just means that we are those who have been gathered together by God to do the business, the work of the kingdom. Jesus said that his spirit, this Holy Spirit would be his representative. When he left, that this would be, uh, the, the spirit would be the one who would now be our teacher, would now be our guide would now be the one who we follow, who we learn from. And so what does it mean to be the church? Well, it means that we follow the Spirit. It means that we're led by him, that we're constantly attuned to what he is up to and what he is wanting to do, and we follow him in it. So that's what we want to look at today. What does that mean? What does it mean to follow the Spirit? What does it mean to follow him as individuals, and what does it mean to follow him as a church? Because being led by the Spirit, that's that key characteristic of what it means for us to be the church. Amen? Amen. Father, uh, this morning, we want to um, see things uh, from your perspective and hear the things that you're saying. You've said that if, if we had eyes that could see and ears that could hear and a heart that would understand, 
if their heart would understand based on the things that you show us and you speak to us, that, Father, we would turn. We'd be able to turn back to you. We'd find that healing and that life and that, that grace that we seek. And so, Father, um, open our eyes, open our ears. Give us understanding in our hearts. Give us that spirit that Ephesians talks about, the spirit of revelation, so that we would know to the core of who we are the things that you have um, done, the things that you have made us to be. And Father, so that we might be your church. So show us today. Show us what it means to, to follow your spirit. Show us what it means to walk with him and be in step with him and be aware of him. Have our ears open to him. Have the courage to do what he, uh, what he um, leads us and, and just lays out for us, helps us to understand. Father, we pray that you would do all that this morning, that this would be a holy place where you're, you're changing our hearts and, and, and just reframing our minds um, so that we might, through our lives, make Jesus known. We pray these things in his name. We pray these things for your glory, Father. We pray that these things might be by the power of your spirit. Father, we are yours. We are your people. We are your church. We love you. We ask these things for your glory. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So in our lives, um, I don't know if you guys, I, I know you guys have had these times, but we'll have these moments that, that just kind of change everything, right? Sometimes we have these moments that things happen that are so shocking that for the rest of your life, you'll have this like clearly embedded memory, right? And, and not only you remember the, the setting, but you remember the feelings, right? And you remember, and then you remember also that thing that was so shocking. Well, one of those moments in my life, now this wasn't one of the biggies. Most of you guys are going to like those dramatic times. Well, one of those moments for me was uh, in math class when I was a junior in high school. It was the moment that our teacher uh, introduced to us the idea that you could graph things in three-dimensional space, you know? And you guys are all looking at me like math. Immediately, you guys glaze over, you know. But, but up to that point, we had these simple graphs, right? And you have this piece of paper, and you draw one line this way. That's the x-axis, and one line this way. Now I'm just bringing up painful memories for some of you guys, I know. But, um, and the other is the y-axis, and you have two numbers, the x and the y, and you plot the, 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 the point, you know. Well, all of a sudden, our teacher said, you know what I want you to do is I want you to draw this other line that's kind of diagonal this way and this way across that. And I want you to imagine that this line is coming straight up off your paper out in empty space, right? And, and now we're able to graph three numbers. You know, you have your X, your Y, and let's call it your Z. And so now I want you to graph these dots on this thing, imagining that not only is this flat on your paper, but it's filling up space this way. And so that day, like many of you right now, all of us went home with these massive headaches, right? <laughs> We're just, and our minds are completely blown until the next day when our teacher decided to talk to us about, you know, it's also possible to think about things in four and five dimensions. And that just, that just killed us. And so we're not gonna go there. But once we got over, you know, the headache, um, once we kind of had recovered from the initial shock, what we realized is that our teacher had just opened up a whole other world to us, right? Because just by kind of this whole other dimension of thinking of, we, we had no idea up to that point that on this flat piece of paper that you can make something three-dimensional, that you could think of things three-dimensionally. I mean, that was like art class, right? That wasn't math. We thought math is, you know, it's all right there. It's all real. And it, but also, it, be, it just opened all this up. And it meant that from that point on, too, 
Every time, even when we would look at a flat graph, we just know, you know what? There's really a whole other thing that can come, right? There's this whole other dimensions that can be added to this paper. Even though it looks flat, it can actually be much bigger than what it is. You know, when Jesus started talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit and about how the Holy Spirit would, would, um, uh, was the one that would kind of initialize this thing where we would become the actual, the, the, the children of God that the Holy Spirit would be the one who would transform us so that we would reflect the very character of Jesus and how the Holy Spirit would, would fill us so that we would be filled with God's own presence. When he started talking about that, I, I'm sure the disciples went home more than a couple of days with these just headaches too of just like, what just happened? Because just like adding that dimension onto that piece of paper, all of a sudden he was talking about life in a whole different way in a way that just added this whole other dimension to what life was. And not just, what we found in math class was that when you added this whole other, this just a simple line in your paper, you had this whole realm that, that all of a sudden you, had to, you could operate in. And then we found out that we had to learn a whole different type of math to operate in that, to, that would start taking all those dynamics into account. And the same thing happened when Jesus started teaching about the Spirit. It's like he opened this whole other world up to them. And they realized that, oh, God has, God has an intention for our lives to be much more, not just flat, but multidimensional than what we had ever imagined. And the fact is, is that we need to learn about the type of life that needs to be lived inside that world that is so much bigger than we thought it was. That realm, that realm of the spirit, that spiritual realm that Jesus was talking about where God dwells and where you know, so much goes on, that is the realm where God's people, the church, where we not only exist, where we operate, but where we learn, where we grow, and where we do the business of God's kingdom. That is where the church operates, where it exists, because God's kingdom is not just about the physical world. You know, we think of this world as three-dimensional, and it is, and we're going through time, and so maybe that's a fourth dimension. And, but then you add this spiritual dimension onto everything that's going on. It's almost like they're just a whole other world that we, that we are not only a part of, but that we have authority in, that we've been born into. And he says, you need to take this into account because, and you not only need to be aware that there's this whole other world that's there, but you need to learn what it means to live life in a way, in a way that, that, that not only, it's not just that it fits in that world, but that life that is made for that bigger world that you're actually a part of. So following Jesus, you know, following Jesus um, is not just about living in this physical world where we, what we see and what we hear and what we feel, but he says, you know what? There are ways to see in the spirit. There's a whole other way. There's a, almost like a set of eyes that he's given to your heart that the eyes of your heart can see. There's a set of ears that he's given you that you not only hear the sounds of this world, but you hear the voice of God. You hear him speaking. You, hear, you learn what it means to, to hear him and to understand him. You also sense his movement and the movement of the things around you. And following the spirit of God in those things, that's what it means. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be his church, to do that work. So um, 
Now, if you want to know how important, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, because a lot of times the Holy Spirit tends to be kind of the lost member of the Trinity. We know about God the Father. We know about Jesus. But sometimes we don't talk so much about the Holy Spirit. But you look into, in Scripture, and he is there. He's there. He's there at the beginning. In Genesis 1, you read, and he's there at creation when the world's created. He's there when, when Jesus is conceived. He's there when Jesus is commissioned, uh, baptized. He's there throughout the ministry of Jesus. Uh, when you read the Gospels, he's there. You, you see that he is there uh, when the church is born in Acts chapter 2. And he is there at every moment when he is commissioning uh, the expansion of the church and the growth of the church and the, the, um, even the purifying of the church. The, this Holy Spirit is right in the middle of it. Uh, Luke and John they treat the Holy Spirit as one of the main themes of their books. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome of the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 talks about the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us. You find him talked about in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, Romans 5, 8, and 12, Ephesians 1, 4, and 6, James 4, Zechariah 3, you know, Joel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all these, wherever you look in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is being talked about, not just as, as this force, but as this person, this representative, this part, this third person of the Trinity of God who is at work in the world and in our lives. And he's talked about it in a way to, that we might know him and recognize when he is at work because he's important to the work that God is doing. He's important to this business of the kingdom. He's important to the church. Well, then we read in, in John 3, and Jesus is talking to this guy, uh, Nicodemus, and he says, you know what? If you're not reborn of the Spirit in, in a similar way, but not, not the same, but in a, a comparable way um, to how you were born in the flesh and that brought you into this world, well, you need to be born of the Spirit so that you, because otherwise you're not even gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. In Romans 8, verse 9, it says that if we, if we don't have the Spirit of God, we don't even belong to Jesus. There's something essential about the Spirit of God and, and knowing and, and the Spirit of God being in us. In 1 John, it says, we know that God is with us because he has given us his Spirit. So he's this, not just this essential part to all that God has been doing in the earth, but what he is, he's doing in us. And all of this because and what he's doing in us, this fulfills this promise that he's been making from the Old Testament, from the very beginning. But in the Old Testament, he makes statements like in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 27. It says, I will put my spirit within you. My spirit. I mean, the spirit of God living in us. You, you look at that and you go, I'm not sure how that works. I look at, you know, I have limited space, you know, this is me. But that's what he says you got, that's what you gotta realize. There's this whole other dimension that we're talking about here. Because the very person of God comes and he takes up residence within us. And he says he'll do that so that you will, and, and he says so that you will, but he really is implied there. It's like so that you'll be able to, so that you'll even want to obey my commandments, follow my ways, understand and follow my ordinances. Sometimes we, we try and do what God wants us to do and we can't find it within us to do that. Why? Because we're trying to rely on this two-dimensional thing to live out the, this life in this three-dimensional space. He says you can't do it. The Spirit is the one who can lead you into that and can show you. 
Um, so we can't understand what God wants. We don't have the power to do what he asks us to do. We don't even have the, the understanding to be able to, uh, the comprehension, the ability to understand what he's even trying to do unless the spirit reveals that, unless he's operating in us, unless he empowers us to do that. So we can't be the church unless we're led by the spirit, unless the spirit of God is active within us and around us and through us. He's the one that opens up these these other dimensions. He's the one who teaches us what it means to live in him. In Isaiah 11, when Jesus first started his ministry, he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he, he read this passage from Isaiah 11. And Isaiah 11 starts out, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And he says, and it goes on to tell these things that what it looks like when the spirit shows up. Since the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to speak good news to those who are afflicted, to, to bind up broken hearts, to free captives, to bring, to replace mourning for joy. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's this whole list of things. And Jesus said, you know, if you want to know what my ministry is all about, what my life is all about, it's found in these verses. It's really encapsulated in that. This is my call because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is what he does. So if we want to know what is it that the church is called to do, what is it that we are called to do, we look at the same thing because we're called to, we don't, we don't do things that are any different than what Jesus was doing. We just keep doing more of it. He said, you're going to do more and greater works than I did, but not, not like different, not completely separate, not like we choose our own pathway, but it's the same spirit that comes in us and he continues to do this, this ministry, this, this work that Jesus had started, the business of the kingdom. That's what the church is, led by the Spirit, doing the business and the work of the kingdom. So what makes this a church? It's the, it's the presence and the leading and the power of the Spirit working among us. That's what makes the church, that's what makes us the church because it says that it's the Spirit who births us, you know, into this new world. But it's also the spirit that empowers us to be able to, to even live and operate in that new world. It's the spirit that, that transforms our thinking so that we comprehend this life that we're trying to live, this bigger life in this bigger world than we had ever known or thought about before. It says the spirit is the one who, who takes all of us as independent individual lives and he's able to to baptize us, it says, like, baptizes us into one body. One body. One, one unified with Christ as our head so that we're accomplishing the one, kind of in a united way, the purposes of God. He empowers us to do that. He equips us to do that. He gifts us to do that. He, he does the work of purifying us. and I mean, he applies the things that Jesus uh, that Jesus won and bought and, and the work that he did for us, the spirit is the one that applies that to our lives so that we become more like Jesus. So, so when it comes to the work of the church that we've been talking about, right? you have um, five things that I've been highlighting. We come together to, to bring God the honor that he deserves in worship. That's one of the, the, the works of of. The, the kingdom that we do together. We come together so that we might learn how to share our lives and invest in each other's lives in this thing that God calls fellowship. He says, it's the same word that he uses of our fellowship with him. 
that we invest in God and he invests in us. And, that's, and, and we do that with each other. It's another work that we do. We, we do this work where we, we go into the, the, the heavenly places and we, we, by the authority that's given to us in Jesus' name and the authority that's given to us by the Spirit, we establish things in that new realm, establish things in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God. We, we do that hard work of letting God take his word and transform us through discipleship. So we have, we have worship and we have prayer and we fellowship and discipleship. And then we also do that work where we go out into the world so that we might make Jesus known. That we might make Jesus known, that, we might, that people, not just in word, but that people might experience God's love as well through what they see us do. So these works of the kingdom, this work of the church that God has called us to, we say, well, what, what does the Bible have to say about what the Spirit's involvement in that is? I mean, you look at John 4, and then you look at Ephesians 5, and it says, you know what? If you're not worshiping in the Spirit, you're not worshiping. Those who come to God, it says, must worship him in spirit and in truth, because he is spirit. That's where he lives. If we're not worshiping him in the fullness of that, of that new life and that new kind of the, the spirit is really the one who empowers us to be able to do that, then we're not even bringing worship to him. We look at Ephesians, or in um, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and then Ephesians 4, it says, you know what, fellowship, this life of the community, it's not even happening the way that God wants us to unless it is the spirit that's equipping and the spirit that's gifting and the spirit that's driving it. So if we're not, if we're not investing in each other's lives the way that God has called us to through the power of the spirit, then that's not even community. That's not even the community that God ever intended. So the spirit has to be intimately involved in that. John 14 uh, 2 Corinthians 3, it says that it's the Spirit who, who teaches us, who does that work of transformation, who teaches us and who transforms us so that we day by day by day come to reflect Jesus more and more and more. It's the Spirit who does that. Romans 8, 26, Ephesians 6, 18, both of those, they say, you know what? When you pray, <laughs> prayer, prayer is just babbling. Prayer is just saying words if we're not praying in the Spirit. And, you know, there are those who have taken that, that phrase, praying in the Spirit, and they've made it this technical thing that means that somehow you're praying in a different language or you're praying. That's not what I was talking about. That may be a part of it for some people in their experience and what God is doing in them, but, but praying in the Spirit just means that you are praying led by and brought into the awareness of this fullness of life and this fullness of the, of the realm that we're, that we're walking in, we're operating, we're living in um, because the Spirit is informing you even as you pray. In, in Romans, it actually says we don't even know what we're supposed to pray for sometimes. And the Spirit teaches us. And sometimes he gives us, we can't even put words to it. We just kind of, we almost like let him just pray. We just kind of, it says groan, Right? There's sometimes that you just get this burden that comes on you and all you can do is just kind of lay in front of God and just not even say anything. Just let your heart, the spirit speak through your heart because he's bringing you into a dimension you, you, can't, even, you can't even articulate it. And then in Acts 1.8, Jesus, he told his disciples, you know what, you need to wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed from on high with power by the Holy Spirit. 
Why? Because you can't even be a witness of Jesus. You can't even express love as God intends for you to express it to this world so that they might know, not that you're a nice person, but that they might know him. You can't even do that unless the Holy Spirit empowers you and leads you and shows you how to do that, right? So we can't be the church unless the Spirit is actively leading us and teaching us and filling us and empowering us to do the things that Jesus has called us to do. Okay, so, so then the question comes up, okay, so what does it mean? What does it mean to follow the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit as his people? Because the Spirit, again, he, the Holy Spirit, he, he's, not just, he's not a power, he's not an it, he's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. There are three persons who make up one God and don't ask me the math on that one again. That's like blow your mind. You have, you know. Okay, let's get over that. But God has said that's who he is. So he's been a community of three this whole time. Three united like we can't even imagine what it means. You know, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He's gonna bring us into that community, into that, that unity of who he is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is this person who now is actively involved. In fact, in, in Corinthians, he's called the Lord. He is now the Lord of the church. In the same way Jesus is the Lord of the church, he is that active representative of who Jesus is and, and doing the will of the Father here in the church. So what does it mean to be, what does that look like? And I wanna give you three things that I think that you can take and you can kind of just filter so you can Put your life through on a regular basis that will help bring us kind of to this place where we, we're more aware of, one, this whole world that God has opened up to us, of the spiritual world, and the awareness of the spiritual world, but also the awareness of his spirit, the awareness of what does it mean to be led by him and to follow after him. So first, first is this. Being led by the spirit is a change of perception. Okay, it's a change of perception. We need to um, realize that we now live in this world, this whole other world. Um, it's a whole other world, and he is, he's in the middle of it. And so um, we, live, we need to live in this constant awareness that um, the Holy Spirit is present in every part of our life, every aspect, every activity that we enter into, every moment of our day, that there's this whole other dimension that's been added because the Spirit is there, and he's opening, helping. He wants us to understand that we live in this much bigger world at every moment than we thought we did, okay? So um, a change of perception. Um, you know, when we, once we did, we, we learned that about this graph in math. Uh, again, everything we looked at, every graph you looked at, whether this line, this third line was written in or not, you realize there was this whole other, you know, this whole other capability of this graph to go into this whole other dimension. The same way with our lives. When we look at our families, you know, when, um, <clears throat> sometimes we just think, you know, we may look at that or we look at our, our life in our business world, you know, our, our work life, or we look at our, our life and our, our hobbies. You know, I go fishing and we're going, you know, fishing's pretty flat, it's pretty two-dimensional, right? It's just that. No, he says everything. We need to change that perception because we need to realize that God has brought this whole new world into every aspect of our lives and this, the Spirit of God is with us in every moment to teach us what does it mean. What does it mean to go fishing with Jesus there? I don't know. Find out, right? What does it mean to walk in? There's sometimes that it becomes 
becomes real easy because you walk into the creation and all of a sudden you're going, wow, right? And, and you're just kind of brought into that and you're, you're made aware because creation keeps like shouting it out all the time. But what does it mean to go into your, your work life and to say, what does it mean to go into my work with Jesus there, with the Holy Spirit there? And showing me, what does it mean to have this whole other dimension to that life? What does it mean to approach my family life or my, my, um, just the, with my, my family here or the broader family or relationships that I'm in? What does it mean to have Jesus involved in these relationships that I'm in, these friendships that I have? What does that mean to have this whole other world that God has opened up and to become aware of it because it's holy? So it's a change of percep- perception. So the first questions that I ask is, um, one, do you go through your day aware of, one, you know, the spiritual world and the whole, that is all around you and the Holy Spirit who's with you? Do you go through your day perceiving that? Because if not, then you need to ask yourself, how can I be more aware of the Holy Spirit? Because he is constantly trying to teach you how to go into your day aware of all that's around you. Because we don't, have to just act, we don't just interact with this world anymore. We interact with that whole new world as well. Okay? So what, what can I be doing? And just be praying about that. Be saying, God, help me to be more aware of this. Help me to be more aware of the world that I live in and be more aware of your spirit who's with me in it. Because there's a change of perception. Second, being led by the Spirit is a change of perspective. Okay? Because we learn when we follow the Spirit that, so everything, we, we learn about everything in light of the Spirit. That's what that first prayer is about. And he starts opening it up and we start, we start seeing that. You know, um, Jesus, when he called his disciples away from their families, he wasn't calling them away. There are a lot of times um, cults will p- call people out of the families, They'll isolate them and, and get them to, so that they're easily manipulated in that. Jesus wasn't doing that. He called them away for a, while, for a time, but then like you read the New Testament and Paul writes, he says, you know, if anybody's not taking care of their family, um, they're worse than an unbeliever. You know, they're worse than just not following Jesus at all. Why? He wanted to pull them away so that they could see, you know what, there's a whole other dimension you need to learn about who your family is so that you can know what is the most important work to do in your family. And you're not gonna find it by staying embedded in the flat world that you just assume is all that there is. You need to take the time that takes you away from that so God can teach you how to walk back into it as one who is aware of the spiritual nature of that realm and the spiritual nature uh, the spiritual world that you live in and the spirit who walks with you and what, how, you know, how he wants you to be empowered to live in that in, in a whole new world, in, in a whole new way. And so uh, that's true about their families. That's true about he called them away from their businesses. But there are sometimes that God sends you into the business and he's into your, your business place, into that, that work world. And he says, I'm sending you here because you are the one I want to bring to do this work in this place in this workplace, this spiritual work that needs to be done. And so changing not just your perception, but also your perspective on on what is going on around you and what you're there for, right? It's to do the work of the kingdom because that's why he rebirthed us. That's why he made um, us aware of this whole other place. So being led by the Spirit means that we see everything from this new perspective 
of God's purposes and God's power and God's possibilities, God's intentions for this world. So wherever you walk into, just knowing that I, I don't walk in as a flat, you know, as a flat world person, right? I, I walk in as this new kind of aware of this, this other dimension of the spirit. So um, questions you can ask yourself. Has, have you done the work or has the spirit done the work where you, you feel like you, you understand that God has integrated into every aspect of your life um, this awareness and the intentions of his ways and his, his works. Have you done that? Have you, do, you, do you know how you define like your work world or your family world or your, your leisure world or your relational world? Do you know, do you have that, that, frame, that framework in you that you're seeing it in light of God's at work there and he's at work through me? And he's not just at work on the flat kind of things I see and touch, but he's at work in those things that are behind the scenes, those things that are part of the world of the spirit, where you have good news. People need, where there are some that are being afflicted, that they need the good news preached to them, proclaimed to them, not just preached at them, told to them, encouragement. There are those who are broken that need to be bound up by the power that God has given you in the spirit. There are those who, there are, those who are imprisoned, in different ways, and they need to be released by the authority that's been given to you to walk into that place and to, and to declare that release. So um, has he done that? And, and in, in your life, uh, the other th- question I, I would say that we have to say to our church is, have we done that? Do we see everything that we do in light of that, that fuller dimension life of why we're here? Do we come and we just sing songs, or do we see that that is... That is a very act of worship that just, I mean, it rattles the heavens. It rattles the heavens. It changes everything. The work that you do here, just coming up and, and doing something simple, and we don't even understand it sometimes, but we're learning, you know, Jesus said, do this to remember me. And so we go up and we try and enter into this space. You guys, that changes things. That act of worship and that act of remembering and that act of, it changes things in you, but it changes things in the, this realm of the spirit. And it has broader consequences than you might even know. Sometimes you don't feel like you, you know how to pray, but you do it anyway. And you guys, that changes things because the spirit is in you. You're the church. And you've been brought into the spiritual realm and the spirit is with you. So when he works in you, he works in power. What you do Matters. So change of perception, change of perspective on how you even approach these places, but then also being led by the Spirit is a change of priority. You know, um, we need to learn that these things, these things that God is wanting us to engage in in our lives, things like prayer and things like spending time in his word so that he can shape us, things like gathering for worship with God's people. These things aren't just add-ons. They're not just add-ons that we kind of take it or leave it. These are things that are essential because they're things that are the work of the kingdom. And that's what, that's like our, that's our prime responsibility now. When Jesus was here, he said, you know, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And these other things will be added, right? All this flat world stuff will be added. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Paul would write and he said, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are down below. You know, John, he would write and he says, you know, don't be, don't be following these, these influences of this flat world, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Don't, don't be caught up in that. 
but instead be, be in, just kind of um, immersed in and, and captured by the love of the Father. That, that fuller world of the love of the Father. You know, when we understand that being in the church means that we are gathered for one purpose, you know, um, we, when we understand that the Spirit brings us together for one purpose, we invest ourselves, we prepare ourselves. So, like, how are we doing as we come to church, right? How are we doing in prioritizing, not just getting, you know, we make sure our hair doesn't look all crazy, right? We get on some clothes so that we, we look okay to other people, and we kind of, you know, we brush our teeth so we don't, you know, don't offend anybody too bad. But do we do the heart work, right? Because we're coming to do the work of worship here. The work that, I mean, it just doesn't shatter. It just, just doesn't rattle things on this level. It rattles things on this much broader way. And, and so do we do that heart work? Do we do the heart work during the week of making sure that we are, we're paying attention to Jesus? We're listening to his word. So when we come here, we're ready to wrestle with the word that he puts in front of us, like this word from, from Romans 8. It says, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, we want to train ourselves to what, how... How do I wrestle with God's word on a daily basis? You know, some of you guys, you know, I regularly, I carry a whole stack of um, these three by five cards that I've just write out. There are times big chunks of scripture, sometimes just verses that God just kind of says, this is gonna be important. So, and, and carry it with you during the day so that you can be pulling it out and staying engaged with that work, even in the midst of the other work that you're doing, right? How are we doing with doing in that sense. So um, following the Spirit, change your perception, change your perspective on everything he has you in, but then also change your priority. How are we doing in prioritizing the work that God has called us into? Because he said, you're the church. And this is what it means to be the church, is to be led by the Spirit. It's to be immersed in that world, to be aware of that world, and to prioritize the work of that world. Because nobody else is doing it, right? If the church isn't doing that work, nobody else is going to pick it up. We're the ones who have been born and authorized and, and transformed in order to do this work together. And we realize, we realize as we read Scripture and as we see what God has taught us through the life of Christ, we realize that, you know what? When you, when you do the work of the kingdom, that actually, it then it changes this world as well, right? In ways that we didn't even expect. In ways that, you know, you look at a, a third dimension, you look at a point where a point's kind of hanging out in space, and the way it looks on the flat page, it looks like it's hanging in the wrong spot, but it isn't. It's just, it, it changes everything about even the way that that flat world, how you see it and how it operates, because it's added this whole other dimension, the dimension of the spirit. This world of the spirit in which we live, and in which God lives with us and guides us. So he says, be the church, right? Be the church. Follow, follow the Spirit like the disciples follow Jesus. Follow him. Do the work. Because that's what we're here for, but it changes everything. Amen? Amen. Amen.